Still does. Still does. You know, um, I'm going to be up front and honest. Uh, I went to study for the sermon this morning because, you know, we've been going through the book of Mark. And um, I was reading through it, and I was just like, this urge of to say, you know what, that's not what you're supposed to talk about tomorrow. And if you know anything about me, you know, I'm, I like to plan things as best as possible. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I went into Brittany, and I said, hey, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to change my sermon. Um, that's like I need to. And so I don't know if this is going to be two hours or ten minutes. I'm just kidding. It's not going to be two hours. I promise you, I promise you you're going to be able to get to the restaurant before anybody else. Okay? But here's, here's the deal. Like, So if, you're, if you've been tracking with us as we've been going through the book of Mark, hey, listen, just go ahead this week and read 7 and 8 in preparation for chapter 9. Okay? Um, if you want to know what I was going to talk about, just shoot me a message and I'll email you my outline. But here's the truth this morning is that I know that many of us have walked in here, right? Whether you're a, a normal, like a normal church-going person or not, and we've all come walked in here with some darkness in our lives and some pain, some hopelessness, and some hurt, 
And that may be hurt that you've done to yourself, or maybe it's not even hurt that you've done to yourself, but that other people have done to you. You know what I'm saying? There's pain that you're carrying, and you feel like you're lost in darkness with no way out. You've walked in here like, you know, I'm coming in here for a baby, dedica- baby child dedication to support, you know, family members, or maybe you've walked in here saying, you know what, I'm going to give church one last chance, and I'm going to tell you, don't give church one last chance. Give Jesus another chance. Because listen, I'm going to fail you. The people sitting next to you, even if they're family, guess what? They're going to fail you. Give Jesus another chance. Because here's some great truth is that in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your loss, that baggage you know, that you've been carrying around for years, that addiction that you've been carrying around, that, that hurt inside of you that you've been carrying around, Jesus this morning told me last night to tell you that you can have freedom from that this morning. It's Galatians. Paul wrote to us in Galatians 5.1. He said this, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully, wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. For many of us, our past has had a hold on us for too long. The enemy has taken up camp because we've allowed him to and allowed darkness to fester inside of our hearts to where we're like, you know what, if... if we, we, we may have even said, and I'm going to be honest, as a pastor, I've said this at times. God, do you even really care about my heart right now? That's me being perfectly clear and upfront and transparent. Like, God, do you even care? Like, God, if you loved me, why did you allow this to happen? There's been Sunday mornings where I've walked in here asking, my, asking that. And I've put on a mask and masqueraded like I was okay. But in reality, there was some pain inside. Some hurt inside. That God, I asked you to move in this way and you didn't. And then I, I allowed that to fester and I allow things to be like, well, I guess it's not going to work out the way that I want it to. And maybe it's the, the fact is that God, like, we're, God's not interested in us inviting him into what we want, into our agenda, but he's inviting us into his. And his way is always leads to freedom. Like, how many times have you tried to fix your past mistakes, past hurts, and just made it worse? Feel like you you just travel down a down a hard road road, and you just feel like you know, like if like if I could just if I could just get back to where I was, maybe I'll be okay. And then we try to get fight to get back to where we were, and it's like we're in a deeper hole, and we're on the verge of giving up. push aside the truth of God that there's freedom because the only thing that has a hold on you as a believer honestly is the, the, what you give strength to all throughout scripture the whole story of the Bible is, is that there would be a savior that would come and a savior that did come that would relinquish you and release you and give you the strength to where sin and your flesh could have no hold on you so the only strength that it gives you is you give it is what you give it why are, you, why are you allowing the enemy to take camp in your heart to push you away from the Father who so desperately loves you? It's described in the scriptures as, a, as like he laid down his life for your freedom. 
for your freedom. And I really do believe that Christ this morning wants to redeem and restore and to heal whatever situation you've walked in here this morning with. He wants to bring families back together. He wants to bring marriages back together. He wants, he wants healing to happen here. He wants a heart full of hope again. He wants you to believe again. He wants you to believe again. He wants you to step out in faith and go, you know what? Yes, my past hurts. Because it's okay to be honest. Like, listen, Jesus can handle your honesty. You with me? He can handle your questioning. And the great news is this, is that he still chose to make a way for you. He's like, I know you'll have, I know you'll have those questions. I know you'll have those doubts. I know you'll, you'll, you'll think that I've abandoned you. But you know, like I love what Isaiah tells us is that his arms are not too short to save us, meaning he doesn't have T-Rex arms. He can make the bed. He can put the covers around the corners. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have T-Rex arms. That he can reach us. But not only that, is that we have a we have a God who hears us when we pray. But he wants to redeem and restore and heal whatever situation you've walked in here, whatever darkness you've found yourself in here. Because where there is light, darkness cannot be. He's ready to turn off the darkness in your life. Our friend Paul wrote to us in in Colossians 1. He said this, he said, Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance. Who made you worthy? God did. Okay, so I'm just going to go here for a second. You, that should allow you to breathe for a minute. Go, the weight's off your shoulders. You with me? It means you don't have to do anything to clean yourself up. You don't have to, well, I'm going to start reading my Bible every day before I come back to God. No, no, no. You go, or I'm going to start praying. No, no, no. He just says, come. Your heart can soar with, soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive his glorious inheritance. He made you worthy. It's all in the act of what God did for us in sending his son to die on the cross. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom or redeemed us or reconciled us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son, which is Jesus. For, it, for in the son, all our sins are canceled and we, ha- we, and we have the release of redemption through, through his very blood. Redemption just means to buy back, to buy back. But here's the great news, and I love this verse because it, all, it, reminds, me, it reminds me of a question that I often ask in here. How many of your sins and mess-ups were future sins when Christ went to the cross? All of them. All of them. So he knew how screwed up you would be. He knew how screwed up I would be. And he still chose to make a way. What other love does that? What other love does that? Like when somebody does you wrong, what do you do? And this is, I'm I'm, going to tell you this, like this spoke to me more last night than anything because there's some people in my life that I have to forgive you with me what love does that when we openly choose rebellion against the God who created us in joy he says you know what I know you screwed up I know how messed up you were being but I'm still going to make a way through the cross and he goes on a little bit later in Colossians 1 he says this in verse 20 he says and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Like he moved heaven, heaven and earth 
to save you, to redeem you, to bring you back to him. Back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body and a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. Like Jesus' main main one is for you to dwell in his presence. Because if you get in his presence, hope is restored. Healing can happen. Past pains can be healed. We're going to look at a story here in a second. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible about just being in the presence of this man, Jesus. Dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and, the, and, the, and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored, even with as screwed up as you are, with even your thoughts on your way here this morning, right? He still sees you as his children, as holy, flawless, and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. Don't be shaken by life circumstances. That's easier said than done, right? Let's be honest. You're like, Paul, I'm glad that works out for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad you have nothing to worry about, Paul. Like, you're, you know, big man, Paul, who wrote 60, 90% of the New Testament. Like, whatever, you're, you're more holy than me, Paul. No, no. Paul was probably more messed up than you or me. He still had his struggles. He still had his, he still had his fight. But he says, you know what? I will not be shaken from my hope. No matter how, how many shipwrecks I'm in and get bit by snakes, no matter how many death threats, no matter stones get thrown my way, he says, you know what, no matter what happens, come hell or high water, my hope is on Jesus. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. And we're going to look at this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. And then we're going to be done. And then you can go to Denny's or IHOP. Don't go to the IHOP on Chapman Highway. It's not very good, I'm just to be honest. Um, Waffle House, whatever you want. There's this story I think we often relate to in Luke 8. I think I put Colossians in there a couple times. But Luke 8, starting in verse 40. It says, When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed. For they had been waiting for him to arrive. It's something about Jesus that draws people. Like if Jesus pushes you away, you're not looking at the wrong, you're looking at the wrong Jesus. Jesus always drew people to himself. When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then a man named uh, Jairus, Jairus had, uh, the leader of the local Jewish uh, congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. So Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her. But a large crowd surrounded him. I'll pause right here just for a second. This man knew that if he could get Jesus in the room with his daughter, that everything would be changed. I could just get Jesus in the room. I could just get Jesus in the room. All 
about the presence. Verse 43. And the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all that she had on, on healers, she was still suffering. That's what I was talking about. Like, we do everything we can to try to fix our situation, but it just seems like it gets worse. You with me? It's like us, you know, when we pray, and we're like, okay, I'm leaving it at your, at your feet, Jesus, and we pick it right back up again. And we're like, okay, I'm, I prayed about it, and we carry it and try to handle it ourselves. It never works out. Even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly. When? Instantly. Why? Because she knew that if I could just get in the presence, if I could just touch him, I'd be healed. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. I love the interaction Jesus has with his disciples because we always think of Jesus like this, you know, deep voice, like, you know, and Jesus is, it's funny. Anyways, his interaction with his disciples cracked me up. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me, who is it? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Do you see the crowd of people around you? What's this? (laughs) While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, everyone is touching you. Everyone. There's not nobody that's not touching you. Trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. Jesus replied, yes, you're right. But I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed. And that's an interesting quote. Like, why are you entering the presence of Jesus? Are you walking into the presence of Jesus with expectation that God is going to change something? Expectation is a huge deal in our faith. That's why Hebrews says our faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Our lives are built on expectation that God's going to do something. I can't tell you how many times I walk into a situation and I'm just like, how am I going to handle this? Instead of going, God, I expect you to move here. I expect the healing to happen. I expect this family to be reconciled. I, I expect this heart of darkness to be filled with hope. Like, when was the last time that I actually expected God to move in something? Yes, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. When the woman realized she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet before the entire crowd. And she declared, I'm going to pause here. Because you have to understand this woman's story if you don't understand it. For 12 years, she had an issue of blood, which means she just wasn't, she just wasn't sick, but she was an outcast in her, in her community. She wouldn't have been allowed to go to the temple and worship because she would have been considered unclean. She wasn't even allowed to be around other people because if she accidentally touched somebody, she would cause somebody else to be unclean. So everybody looked at her as if she was scum, looked at her as if she was an outcast. Like nobody... Like, her family would have disowned her. Her husbands would have left her. She would have been considered sinful and nasty and unwantable. It was against the law for her to even be there, let alone touch somebody. Let alone touch somebody. And out of all people to touch Jesus... The cleanest, cleanest man ever? The most pure man ever? 
she, she could care less. I don't know how you walked in here, what people's views of you are. And I know some of y'all may not even care what other people's views of you are, but here's what, here's what you need to know is that Jesus welcomes you no matter how much of an outcast you think you are. No matter how far gone you think you are, just like the prodigal son, who, as he returns, the story tells us that the father was waiting on the porch to jump off the porch and run to his son. This woman was unclean and unwanted. She was an outcast. So here she is, knelt down at Jesus' feet in front of her whole community. And I can just imagine, I can just imagine the people in that village going, tell her, Jesus, she's breaking the law. Stone her, let's stone her. Let's, they don't, yeah, she's dirty, Jesus. Don't get too close, because if she gets too close, she'll be unclean. Look how ugly and nasty she is. Voices are yelling. I can just imagine these voices from the crowd are yelling. How dare she show up here? How dare she show up here? But she fell before the master's feet and she said, in front of everybody, I was desperate. Go back. I was desperate to touch you. I was desperate to get in your, I could care less what anybody else thought of me in this moment because I knew if I could just get in your presence. What is not only my physicalness, my physical ailments would be healed, but I would be restored to my community again. I'd be restored to everything I had before. I could start over. I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. And I'm right here in front of everybody, I don't go to the next one yet, right here in front of everybody. She's, she's basically been like, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I just knew if I could get here, right here in front of everybody. And I'm just imagining these people in the crowd going, okay, she's, t- she's told her side of the story. Jesus, now tell her, put her in her place. This person who had ne- have not, hasn't felt love in 12 years, this person who had felt like an outcast, who was a part of no family, had felt like everybody had abandoned her. You know what the first words Jesus said to her was? It says, Jesus responded, beloved daughter. Those words would have been enough for me. You mean I'm accepted? With as dirty as I am, you're accepting me? Are you kidding me? Are you, like, I would look over at the the guy that was yelling at me and go, he called me daughter. What has he called you? Beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with, with my what? Peace. The darkness that's in your heart, the hurt that's in your heart, you can have peace here this morning. Maybe your miracle is just to hope again. To be able to live at peace with the past. The story doesn't end because what was Jesus' original intent in walking in the city? I'm sure Jairus was just like, oh great. I guess he forgot about my daughter. Because it says while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from his house and said to him, there's no need to, to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She's gone. Maybe you're here and you feel like your, like your hopes and dreams and visions are dead. What you thought life would be like is dead and gone. The hope that you had for a great future is, is, is gone much like this dad, like this, 
this was his everything. This was his everything. But it says this, that when Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard this, he said to Jarvis, don't yield, your, yield to your fear. Have faith in me. She will live again. This is Jesus' promise for us. Whatever you feel is dead in your life, whatever you feel is gone in your life, Jesus says, I can restore that. It may not look exactly like it did before, but I can give you a hope for a future. It may not be the job that you thought you were going to have, but it could be the job that he had for you. Because it says that he has plans for you more than you, that more, greater than you could think, dream, or imagine. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's that relationship you thought you would have. God has a better one. The healing that you're looking for, maybe that there's something more and better that he wants for you. Like it's not dead. Listen, if you're not dead, he's not done in you. When Jesus heard this, he said, Jairus, don't yield, your, yield to your fear. Don't yield faith, your faith to, your, to the fear. Have faith in me, and she will live again. When they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John, and Jacob, along with, it, with the child's parents, to go inside. Jesus told those left outside who were sobbing and wailing with grief, stop crying. She is not dead. She is just asleep and must be awakened. They laughed at him, knowing knowing for certain that she had died. And the people are going to be like, you're going to keep fighting for your hope. There's going to be people like, why are you even trying? Why are you even crying out to this Jesus? Why do you even, why, why, like, why? Why are you believing for this miracle? Why are you believing for that child, even though the doctor said you're barren? Why are you believing for God to heal that cancer, even though the doctor said it's, 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 out, it's not possible? How are you believing in that marriage to be restored? And they're not even living in the same house as you anymore. How you, how, you, how you believe for that miracle that your child will come back to God when he, he just last night he was out doing whatever? How can you believe? There's going to be people who say that all your life. Don't yield your faith to fear. Keep believing. I'm sure he's looking at jars going, just believe. Just believe. Don't listen to their laughs. Don't listen to their chuckle. In fact, here in a minute, we're going to laugh at them. Jesus approached the body, took the girl by the hand, and called out with a loud voice, my sleeping child. Maybe he's saying that to you this morning. My sleeping child, the hope inside, the giant inside of us. My sleeping child, awake, rise up. And all of a sudden, those people that are outside the room, that wasn't in the room with Jesus, they begin to hear the pattering of a 12-year-old's feet. What is, y'all hear that? No, 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 that can't be true. She was not, those are, you know how little, like, when Jax runs through the house, you know it ain't saying the lyric or mom or daddy. Like, it's like, like little feet just. I was trying to take a nap yesterday, and every five minutes, it's like he was running in there. I'm trying to sleep, boy. They started to hear the pattering of a 12-year-old girl's feet. Is, it, is that... Is that hope alive again? My sleeping child, awake, rise up. Instantly her spirit returned to her body and she stood up. Instantly. 
take whatever darkness that's in your life, take whatever hope is in your life, whatever you think is dead in your life, and take it in the presence of Jesus. Because that's where you can find hope. That's where you can find something to live for. That's where you find something to live for. Like I said, some of y'all walked in here with darkness today. Some of y'all walked in ailments. Jesus, last night, just wanted me to tell you, there's hope in him. There's hope in him. There's freedom in him. You can be set free from the bondage that you've found yourself under the last couple years. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. And when we speak the name of Jesus over our situation, it says that demons tremble. We speak the name of Jesus over our heart, our our hard hearts. It says that it softens the heart, the hardened heart of the man. This is when we speak the name of Jesus over over, over those things that make us sealed. It's like the illness has to. Feel. There is power in His name. There's this old song. That's a, that's a kind of Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Because there's, it's that, that name that every knee will bow, and that includes the knee of, of our enemy, Satan, the knee of, the knee of our sickness, the knee of our darkness. I need a miracle. You need a miracle. We need God to move in our lives. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He's not here to condemn your shame, your guilt, and your all that. Like he's not here to condemn that. For God did not send his son, as I talked to earlier, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn it, but through him might be saved, which means the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter how you came in here this morning. The ground is level. You can meet him there. I don't care if you were born on a church pew singing Amazing Grace or you were born in the crack house. The invitation is the same. The ground's level. Approach the power of his name. The power that's found in his blood to cure everything. Dear God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for your blood and the power that is in your name. God, as we sing one more song.